Marcel Rojo, one half of Ether. This is my new series. It's called Deep Thoughts. I hope you enjoy. Did you know 500,000 people in America go homeless every single night? This is my story how I became one of those 500,000. Growing up, my view of homelessness was a lot different than probably someone's that was 45 minutes south of us because where I'm from, it's a small, tight-knit community, and so you don't see people sleeping on park benches, and you don't see people sleeping on church steps or, you know, feed me signs next to stop signs in my town. You don't see that. Now, we see growing up as someone sleeping on our couch or someone borrowing a room from us till they get back on their feet. That's kind of what our view of homelessness was. At least that's what my view was as growing up. Now when I turned 18, my first big move, I moved to Jacksonville, North Carolina. Now, like I said, small uh, small community to big city, it was a more eye-opener. But even at that point, I really didn't understand it because I was still young and I was working for the government. So I had a guaranteed paycheck. I had a roof over my head. You know, I didn't have to really worry for much. So even me seeing the people walking around pushing cars and stuff like that, I didn't even feel... Um, like I, that would ever happen to me because I had, you know, I had, like I said, that safety net from the government getting paid. So it didn't really, I didn't really think about being in them people's positions. But then my first real idea of how hard it was going to be to get a job outside once uh, I got out of the military was once it was time to come up for reenlistment. Usually there's a so, certain amount of boat spaces or spots that. Uh, jobs can be filled from the previous enlistment of people to fill to stay in for re-enlistment for the next time. Well, all of a sudden, these boat spots were taken up from the previous enlistments or taken up from all the re-enlistments from the previous people before because now they realized that they couldn't have gotten out because, like I said, the recession and stuff like that. They had bought all these houses, and now if they had gotten out, they knew they had no more money to take care of their families or keep them afloat, they'd end up going under, so they end up signing another contract for another four or five years to stay in. Now, when I went home, I was old enough to understand what poverty and homelessness was, or at least had an idea, and now I had seen how much it had actually hit my community coming home because, you know, businesses that were up when I was when I first left were now long gone or tore down or changed through. And the opportunities, like the factories, they were long gone or, you know, starting to become obsolete. And you had to know somebody to know somebody to get a job. And it took me a long time when I first got home. And I finally, you know, a friend of mine gave me an opportunity. Yeah, I was working at a gas station. But, you know, like I said, the job was a job. And then, uh, so that's what I took up for a while. And then... You know, I worked my way through the caregiving stuff, but still, you know, there wasn't an opportunity much to choose from. Even if you were to drive hours away down into the cities, even, you know, it was starting to leak in of the opportunities around that they were becoming scarce. And when I mean scarce, it was to the point that people that were 
normally making $20, $25 an hour, we're now making maybe $8.75, $9 an hour working at McDonald's. We're working at a caregiving place, taking care of somebody, or greeting somebody at Walmart or stocking something. You were out of luck. And I remember growing up that the hotels and motels were meant to be there for, you know, nightly or weekend use. You know it's to the you know the economy and society is getting bad when hotels and motels are becoming weekly and monthly rentals in a small town. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you this. If the Caro Center does end up leaving our community back home, then the homelessness will end up rising in our community and it will start leaking out and we will end up looking like the people that are in Saginaw and Flint and stuff like that. It may seem like a joke now, but imagine all them people losing their jobs and not be able, or not, because they can't travel or be able to afford to go as far as they can. So now their family's got to move. Now all them jobs go. Now think about that, what it does to the community. Now the lighthouse, now all these caregiving homes, they don't have to give you a raise. Now they don't have to pay you the same. Now they don't to match all these other places. So now what are you going to do? You know what I'm saying? Things leak out and end up affecting one another. So it takes a group effort in the community to make sure things stay afloat. The reason why I say that is because it fits in perfectly with the end of my story. Well, now I had left Carroll and now I moved to Columbus. And now I get to understand what poverty and homelessness looks like on a bigger scale now as an adult. Now being in Columbus, my job was to sell deregulated energy, basically switch over to make your bills a little bit cheaper. Now, so that gave me a hands-on approach to walk down neighbor neighborhoods in the inner city and see what it looked like hands-on. So we would end up going to places like Canton, Cleveland, Linden, where a lot of poverty, a lot of these areas are, even the cities are stricken with poverty pretty badly. And from the outside, when you look in, the middle of the city looks all pretty and nice, but then when you get farther out, you see how horrible it is. You see some of these houses are run down. There's definitely no electricity in these places, but we're knocking on these doors trying to deregulate them anyway. You know, and there's people living in cars. You know, there's people living in alleys and tents, and it's really disheartening to see. You know, as messed up as I... There was one house that I had walked into, I think it was down down in Cleveland, and there was people down there that was so scared that I had literally walked up on somebody's porch trying to help them out, knock on their door, and then getting a gun pulled on me because he thought I was a bill collector. He thought I was coming there to take his home, and I felt bad for the guy because I could only imagine what you must have gone through or are going through to be that scared that someone's gonna come up on your porch and knock on your door and, you know, come take your home away from you. Now, I think out of all the places that we went to, I think North Linden was probably the worst ones because you could literally go down blocks and only two or three houses, you know, with people in them because people either got foreclosed on 
people couldn't afford the rent and had you know and now even the renters can't even afford to rent the places so they're getting foreclosed on you know and places boarded up communities just are trashed you know you'll walk down alleys and you will it looks like people just forgot about all their stuff and just threw it in the back because nobody would look at it so even at all this point you know so my eye opening from when I'm a child to now is at like 70 75 percent it's like wow like this stuff really happens and you know this stuff should be more out on the news than most of the stuff is so I had left Columbus and came here to Las Vegas now when I thought of Las Vegas I thought the strip and maybe a little bit around it I didn't really really look it up when I came out here I just came out here and uh, so when I got on into my taxi and ended up leaving to go to my new place that I was staying at um, I ended up being 15 miles away from the strip and as I'm leaving you go from glitz and glamour and lights and everything that you think that it would be and then as you're going, all you see are 7-Elevens, pawn stores, liquor stores, and you know stuff like that. But the craziest thing is that there's so many homeless people here. And when I mean homeless, I mean openly homeless, where they're literally just sleeping on the concrete in the middle of the street, or sleeping on the side of the street, or there's literally a whole side street full of tents. And when I say a whole side street of tents, I literally mean that. I mean there's an area north of Las Vegas where there's a whole block full of tents and underneath this old motel, I guess it was, there's a bunch of benches and stuff where people, go, or a whole area blocked off so they can stay out of the sun and they all stay underneath there or stay around there 24 seven. And so that made me realize like, or at least give me the thought was, if Las Vegas is this huge, why is there not enough jobs or homes for these people to stay in? And well, my thought was maybe there's not enough homes, but there are enough homes. There are enough homes here, but there, and there's enough jobs here. There's, Las Vegas has a plethora of jobs thing is is that everything's regulated here and I learned that out firsthand because I tried to get a a good job when I first came out here I ended up getting stuck at working at a call center and then I end up having to go back to doing a job that I didn't want to do but I ended up working as a caregiver and it gave me the ample opportunities to get where I am and be able to talk to you now but while I was trying to find something else to do before the caregiving position happened, I was doing, looking at the processes of trying to get a security card or a health card or an alcohol card, food card, a gaming card, like literally all these gaming cards or different cards that you have to receive. Now. The normal fee for one of these things are $120, $130. 
Now, if you wanted to get them expedited, it's $140, $150. Or you can wait the two to three weeks to get the cheaper part. But the whole point is, is if these people are in a rough enough position that they can barely put a roof over their head, how are they going to be able to afford to even take these tests? Because for one, you have to register a, a home of where you're staying, where you you don't you know what are you going to say underneath the tree? And I know that sounds like a, that's a joke, but it, it's really not out here. Like people are really dying underneath the sun because they have nowhere to live because you have to have two times or three times the rent to stay just to even get into a place and then you have to have the first and last month's rent literally it could be almost twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars just to move in for the first month now how many people can you think can afford to three thousand dollars to move into somewhere so they end up stuck staying in one of these seagull suites staying in one of these places that take two three hundred dollars a week to stay here now if they don't pay at the end of the week now they're back kicked out on the street them and their family hard enough trying to get it as it is people don't see how bad poverty and homelessness really is unless you're around this stuff every single day and even when I first got here, I like I said, I had a job working at the call center. So yeah, I made a measly few hundred dollars while I was there. It was enough to sustain me to stay in one of the motel rooms that I was talking about for $350 a week. But then I ended up getting hired in taking care of a family, which I ended up getting a safety net again while I was here for my first part of Las Vegas. And everything was amazing till about a month and a half ago when the person I was taking care of ended up passing away and I ended up having to find a new job because you know I wasn't needed my job wasn't to be taking care of anybody anymore so I decided to stay in my vehicle for 30 days and see what it would be like to survive being homeless. Now, this is, I can only imagine what it would be like without having a mode of transportation or anything to protect them from the outside sun or the winds because there was days that it was almost 100, 105 degrees with 50 to 60 degree winds outside. So. You know, I couldn't imagine imagine being that person on the corner and that person being blown over, just being left out there. That's a wild thought, you know, that people are out there living like that every single day. And, you know, I talked about the tent city that the people live down, but there's actually people that live underneath the city, in the sewers, that nobody talks about. But one of the candidates that are coming uh, up for election actually took a tour down there and seen that people were actually down there so at least it's getting brought up into the news because that's not right for anybody to live in and I'm sure these people that are living like this and underneath the city like this would like to be living in a nice home but you know you can't afford to pay whatever 
crazy double or triple, you know, the amount of rent to show up and the security deposit and stuff like that to get in these places or they can afford the first week for the weekly rental, maybe, you know, being able to afford the $700 to get into one of them, but then what do they do after that? Because they can't afford the next week one, so then where do these people go? You know, they there's only so many people that can take people in, and if the people aren't budging to let these people into these homes, all they can do is end up making their own tent city, and they can only end up sleeping underneath the city because eventually they run out of places to go to. Now, we survived off of Little Little Caesar's Pizza, basically eating a $5 pizza every single night, and that's the only thing we could live off of. We had literally limited ourselves to $5. And so I was even thinking inside was, what about these other people that are doing this stuff permanently? Where do they eat? You know, especially because, of course, they get SNAP benefits, but... You can only get so much junk food on SNAP benefits, or EBT. And so there's a bill that is going up in California where now individuals can use their EBT benefits at restaurants where they can sit down and eat in McDonald's, you know. And that before everybody gets up into a riot, and I know before it, people think that's a bad idea, the only people that can use it are the elderly, the physically disabled, and people that are homeless. Now, it makes sense because they're the ones that are, they, it's not easy for them to either make their dinner or their meals, or they don't even have a place to make their meals at all. So there's gonna be restaurants that have to be certified to uh, be a, ready to allow to accept these benefits at the restaurants. Now, imagine a huge state like California doing that, and they have so many people, but also a lot of money is in California, but also their tax rates are so high. Now, imagine if people are getting to that point where they have to use uh, their benefits to go to McDonald's or something to get a meal. Imagine what's going to happen to a small community like Carroll if the Carroll Center ends up leaving. Look at how many people depend on those jobs just for the business inside of the town, not only for the people that actually live there to actually live there. So once you guys realize that communities have to stick together, because if things like that can happen in California and Vegas where there's so many people here and, and people flocked here because of the businesses, but once the businesses got shut down, it's obsolete and all these people have nowhere to go because they can't afford anywhere to stay. So if we don't want places to happen like Flint and Saginaw and stuff like the motor crisis, please, please make sure to do whatever you can to keep hometown businesses in home because if you don't, you're going to end up like being one of them. I hope you enjoyed episode one of Deep Thoughts. If you did, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Into the Ether 2019. From me, I hope you have a good rest of your week, and I'll see you in the ether.